Hello everyone, um, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we've got a really great session lined up for you. Um, we're gonna be discussing how to leverage website visitor insight to drive successful account-based marketing. Um, our panelists today have got some really impressive experience in this space. Uh, so I'm hoping that we're gonna provide some useful tips and that you'll benefit from their experience. So um, here we go with the introductions. Um, I'm Martin Boyle, Director of Brand Communications here at Lead Forensics. Um, I'll be your host for today. Um, please use the chat function to send us in any questions. Um, feel free to get involved, pose any questions you have to our experts. Uh, so I'm gonna hand over to our panel to introduce themselves. Um, I have Nadja and Josh with me today. So Nadja, if I could just hand over to you first, uh, if you could tell us a bit about your professional background um, and experience. Absolutely, thank you, Martin. Um, glad to be here today. My name is Nadia Graham and I'm the VP of Marketing here at Lead Forensics. I have approximately, I'm gonna say about 14 years of experience in B2B technology marketing. Uh, it might be a little bit more, but I'm rounding it down to, to, to see younger. Um, all primarily, or, or rather a lot of that has actually been in specialist agencies where we've been very focused on B2B tech, but also there has been a, a focus on driving hyper-personalized, uh, insight-driven, data-driven uh, marketing. And in the last six years, I would say that's also been very focused around account-based marketing. More recently, of course, I've, I've, I've come into the, to the world of website visitor tracking and and have actually joined as a previous customer so even before joining the organization saw the value of, of what it can offer um in abm and outside of that so really excited to be here today to to share my experiences and, and like you said martin hopefully other people can can benefit from it yeah great okay thanks very much um joff you could just let the audience uh, know a little bit about yourself please yeah thanks martin uh, great to be here um, my name's josh I am the Social Digital Director at a global technology marketing agency specializing in B2B called Hotwire. Uh, I look after our activation function, which within that sort of in encompasses digital, social, uh, data, and how we go to market, essentially. So, um, you know, we specialize in uh, ABM for a number of sort of large uh, and global technology uh, businesses. So, yeah, looking forward to talking through the, the topics today. Brilliant. Okay. Um, well, also, both of you, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, I know how busy both are, so thank you very much for your time. Um, so, let's move on to the questions. Um, we know that to deliver successful ABM campaigns, you need high quality, actionable insight and lots of it. The more, the better. Um, so, um, what does the right insight look like? How exactly can website visitor insight add value? Um, First question that we have is what sort of businesses need to invest in account-based marketing and what's the importance of digital integration? And for that one, I'm gonna hand that over to Josh first, please. Thanks. And um, so what type of organizations? I'd say, um, you know, from our experience at Hotwire, obviously we work with large enterprise and that's where a lot of the experiences and. I think discussion I can draw upon for this conversation will come from. Uh, however, uh, I think all organizations of all sizes can implement a, a form of ABM and specifically ABM with, you know, digital integration. 
think any customers that are looking to grow their top set of accounts, you know, thinking about the the accounts that are currently driving a large portion of their revenue and how to, you know, sort of improve each of those by 10, 15% over the next financial year, you know, ABM can really focus on that. It can focus on, you know, priority um, accounts or strategic accounts, you know, so those accounts that, you know, can help propel them or be a catalyst for them into a new market or industry um, and identifying what those accounts are as part of the ABM process. Um, and I think ABM in itself and running an ABM program, you know, all levels of business can be a differentiator in the current landscape we find ourselves in since the, the dreaded pandemic that we always talk about um, in that, you know, ABM can help cut through everyone's online, everyone's on LinkedIn right now. Um, you know, so what is it about our communications, our outreach that that will land with our prospects, uh, ABM and tight, you know, account-based messaging and creative can really help cut through that. Absolutely, for sure. Um, Nigel, have you got anything to add to that? Do you agree completely? Have you got any other angles on that one? Um, I I wholeheartedly agree. I think when you sort of look at the definition of who should consider account-based marketing as part of their remit, um, it, it would primarily, I would say, well, if you're a B2B organization, I would say absolutely everyone, um, business to consumer less so, but I, I, I don't think um, we necessarily have any any of those um, um, on this on this session right now anyway but certainly from a business to business perspective I think it's probably one of the most valuable types of communication and um, strategic initiatives that you can launch uh, from an organization perspective I, I do agree that it's very important to have a definition around what your good customer look like because that's the only way that you can make sure your targeting is correct. So you need to to know exactly who's going to see value from your product and and who's gonna who's gonna want to stay with you once they're on board so that you don't invest a lot of money into to onboarding them only to lose them down the line because actually the fit between your product value and what they were looking for isn't there. So if, if you've defined that clearly, your your ideal customer profile, your ICP, then then I think definitely account-based marketing is, is something that you should strongly consider. I think there's different scales to what type of ABM people might be, be looking to invest in. And that, that type of ABM will very much be dictated by your budget availability, your organizational structure, what, what needs you have? What, what are you looking for the account-based marketing initiative to, to solve for you? What is it driving? Is it a retention plot? Is it a new business plot? And, and, and how many accounts are you going after? Um, and ultimately, your deal value and your sales cycles will help you determine what type of ABM as well, because the investment um, is, is based around the expected return, of course, as, as you would expect. Um, the digital element, as Josh said, is, is actually really important because ABM has always been around meeting them where they are. And what we have at the moment is this situation where we don't know where they are anymore. It's no longer as predictable because you don't know exactly what train they're going to be on, what station they're going to come into and and what offices they're going to be based at if they're even going to be based uh, based in an office at this stage so 
um, I think digital more so than ever is is important now uh, to integrate into your account-based marketing if you want to to find people because that's where it's most predictable that they're going to be. Um, I did. I, I've sort of I've had some really really interesting stats and and pieces of insight over the past three to six months. And one of the ones that really kind of made me sit up and pay attention is the fact that. Um, the pandemic has sped up digital transformation by five years. Now, if we look back at, at how prevalent digital transformation was just a couple of years ago, to, to suggest that it's now been sped up by five years is, I think, uh, mind-blowing. But it just goes to really, really back up around the importance of that as, as, as a means to communicate. Uh, as, and as a means to to get noticed, um, there was another there was another piece of research that I found which which suggested that one third of people are saying that they would rather quit than return to the office full time. So, for anyone who's thinking yes, but we're now on the on the downhill, things are going to go back to to normal. I don't think it's yet possible to predict what that normal is going to be, and I don't think we know for sure that it's going to be a nine to five five days a week in the office scenario i think this blended way of of communicating in b2b and in abm is i think here to stay and, and digital is going to be a, a really really core component in any initiative moving forward yeah definitely um that's quite a, an interesting stat isn't that the, the five years acceleration of um, digital transformation and i think um that's probably one where if you feel like your business isn't isn't quite there with it, you know, you can be losing ground quite quickly. But if you're in, ahead of the curve, uh, you're going to do quite well. So I think there are, there's obviously um, common uh, a lot of challenges when it comes to ABM excuses. So we're just going to move on to that to that now. Um, uh, yeah. So if we could uh, go to Naja first on what are some of the, the common challenges um, that we encounter? I think the ones that I most often come up against is um, what one is alignment. Uh, ABM by by definition includes a lot of state stakeholders and functions within the organisation, and bringing everyone together behind a unified vision when everyone has slightly different agendas can be an extremely complex exercise. I'm sure Josh will agree to uh, agree with that. Um, having external facilitators can help that process along because sometimes it helps having someone there who can who can kind of whip everyone into shape but unfortunately it can be time consuming and it it can feel like you're you're herding cats sometimes and most often the the drive behind this comes from marketing so they're left being the ones trying to facilitate it and trying to coordinate leadership and sales despite not necessarily having an organizational uh, hierarchy benefits um, for 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 above and beyond those functions, if you will. Um, I, when it comes to pure play uh, account-based marketing, that alignment and getting everyone on board is absolutely critical. I do think when it comes to businesses who are only just starting out um, on their ABM journey and <clears throat> and potentially also smaller businesses, irrespective of where they are in that journey, I think. It's not necessarily a barrier towards starting ABM full stop. I think there is a trail of thought, which is you can start with a small wins proof of concept campaign approach that doesn't necessarily warrant the 
alignment across all the different uh, functions. Um, and if you can get that quick win in, if you can, if you can prove that as a concept, account-based marketing works, you're more likely to then smoothen the process around getting everyone else, uh, everyone else on board. Um, it has to be done right, on, of, of course. I'm, I'm not suggesting it's, um, it's going to be simple as such. Um, one of the things that I've experienced in the past is if you can get even if you can't get an, an entire department behind you, for example, sales behind your vision, if you can get one sales rep behind you and if you can launch a proof of concept with one sales rep, I think you'll find that quite quickly as he or she starts to overtake the peers in terms of pipeline contribution and, and revenue wins they will be lining up to to sign up to an account-based marketing initiative. So so I think there's different ways you can come at this alignment, but alignment often I think is a is a is a challenge. Um, scale is the other one which I think is is top of mind when it comes to account-based marketing challenges. And that is both once you've found a model that works for you, replicating that enough times, but also scaling a program to include enough reach um, for your for your accounts. And I think where I've seen a lot of companies become stuck or potentially trying to figure out where the line is drawn is what is account based marketing and what is targeted marketing with personalization. You know, you, you start to hear reference to people who are employing an account-based marketing hub and spoke model, but that the whole definition behind account-based marketing is targeting people based on insight that is unique to them. You can group them and you can you can unify them, but I think a lot of people are still figuring out the best way that they can scale their efforts whilst proving return. Um, and 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 so the main limitation limiting factor there is is resources and budget. Yeah, I completely agree, uh, Nadia, with your point about you know developing advocates you know across the business and finding out who they are first and foremost, and then making making them a champion of ABM and the successes that we've seen and have come from uh, projects campaigns that we've run with clients who have that alignment or at least a senior figure on both sales and marketing sides to help, you know, pull everything together and, and provide the glue. Uh, one thing that um, I find is a challenge, and this happens all the time uh, with with campaigns, especially with organizations that are running a pilot ABM program, is the desire for quick wins. And that's not in contrary to what you were saying earlier about try and get that quick win to prove the value of ABM. I think there's a difference between showing early signals of success in an ABM program um, to get people on board and leveraging a, the success of a pilot to grow uh, an ABM program and um, function within your organization. But the, the key to successful ABM is to be patient, just hold on to the strategy and uh, understand that over time that we're changing perceptions within accounts. We're broadening relationships, unlocking those sort of uh, blockers to uh, to new business within these accounts. And these are things that take a lot of time, especially in those organizations that you'd likely put in an ABM program. They're, they're likely to be harder to land um, because they're larger organizations. Uh, they're likely going to be the most... Um, 
significant sized organizations that you're marketing to at any one time. Um, and as a result, these programs can take sort of six to 12 months or even longer. And it's, I think that's one of the things to understand and be prepared for, have an appetite for. Um, and some of the biggest challenges is coaching. Well, for us, coaching our clients through that and keeping them on that journey and uh, reassuring them that, you know, progress is, you know, shortly going to follow. Um, but also helping them reiterate that to sales or vice versa, marketing or, or the board. Um, once a pilot is complete and you see the results, that sort of mentality is really easy to to communicate. Um, but it's once the satisfaction of our investment has made the return that we were expecting or more um, that, you know, you can really start uh, motoring with ABM. I think the other challenge is that um, we come across is access to tech. So tech and ABM are, you know, often spoken about, they, they sort of come as a package. And with the larger organizations, they always have a fantastic tech stack, but not everyone knows the tech technology that they have already uh, that they can leverage. And if they do know, sometimes the access to the skills and resources to deploy a campaign through that tech stack is so siloed or exists in a different market or territory. And again, I think successful uh, campaigns and organizations with ABM uh, are more flexible with the sharing of knowledge, sharing of access to those tools. And that way you can expand and embed ABM, ABM programs and scale them through your organization. I think the, the last challenge sort of links to that quick wins mentality, trying to get things in and, and early successes. ABM, there's so many KPIs for ABM, things that we want to develop, change, grow within these accounts. But ultimately, when the pressure's on, I think a lot of people look at leads. How many leads have we got? You know, and sometimes the campaigns aren't designed to generate leads. That's just a byproduct or one of the one of the KPIs. Um, so it's, again, a, a bit of expectation management on what volume of leads, what the pacing will be, but actually that there is other engagement happening within these accounts that we need to analyze, that we need to understand relationships are being built, but it isn't down to just someone's filled in a form or downloaded an ebook, you know? So that's another challenge that we, we often find and have to work through. Yeah, some really interesting points there. So I mean, obviously there's some, some big challenges to overcome. Um, the rewards for businesses that can crack those uh, can be big though. So we're going to talk a little bit later on about how um, you know, we can get through some of those challenges. Um, just going to move on to the next question. So um, how do you integrate website visitor insight into your account-based marketing effectively? I'd like to go to Josh first on that one, please. Um, I mean, there are, there are so many ways. The, the website visitor insight that you have access to again with a bunch of free tools is super valuable um obviously the uh, identification tools that lead forensics provide are exceptional too and i'll explain why shortly but what we what i was just talking about um with regards to leads ebook downloads and, and capture and leads not being the the sole purpose of an abm campaign 
the insights that your website can give you with regards to organizational um, engagement. So if you've got, let's say, a one to few program into 10 accounts, what are those 10 accounts currently looking at on your website? You know, what do they engage with? Which topics across your website are they most interested in? And then let's create more of that content because we know that it's it's engaging them. That can help focus content. It can help focus creative. So leveraging that insight. Um, but also it helps us then encourage sales that engagement's happening within those accounts, despite it not being all about the leads. So that gated versus ungated content becomes um, uh, more more available, I think. Um, so with with regards to uh, awareness into these accounts and um, developing or changing a perception within accounts, which is you know a fundamental part of ABM. You can't do that if you're trying to raise awareness into an account that doesn't know you very well by asking them to download a high value piece of content. You first need to give them compelling reasons why thought leadership, blogs, videos, things that are ungated and website visitor insight and their engagement with that is critical to understand you know or for them to understand what it is about your propositions that aligns to their pain points before then we can then reach out and say here's high value content let's download it and get you into that nurture um you know ecosystem so you know i think from that perspective it's it's imperative one of the things that we've been building on that with with the help of lead forensics, but also our third party intent tools is to marry up the engagement, the research that these organizations are doing elsewhere on the web that give us signals on those that might be in a buying cycle and then looking to map that against those that are visiting our clients websites. So they're showing intent for these products and services. They're showing intent at a certain stage, whether they're solution exploration or ready to engage. Uh, maybe they're researching our competitors, but they've also visited our website. And to me, that's like two-pronged signal that they're aware of us, they're aware of our products and services, they're engaging with our content, and they're researching these products and services elsewhere on the web perfect time to reach out to engage to hit them with the social the paid activity um so yeah it's marrying up of those sort of first and third party signals and that's something that's working fantastically for us at the moment that's great it sounds like you're all over it Josh. um if we can move over to uh Naji then please yeah of course I'm, i'll i'll try and be quick with this because i know people people might be be um watching the clock and having other commitments so I think just picking up on that last point what is actually really pertinent with me on that and I'm sure any marketer in this call will be aware of what's happening with third-party cookies and <clears throat> there's some really really compelling statistics out there around um, how I think it's 80 percent of marketeers are currently reliant on third-party cookies as part of their marketing remit um, yet Google um, making the move that they have own 64% of the market. So that's, that's a compelling shift that's coming up. And actually what's happening is that shift is slowly moving from third-party data and increasing the um, dependency on first-party data if you want to be able to continue to do things like retargeting. Um, with your website being such a rich environment for 
um, first party data, that is a very logical way of feeding uh, your website visitor insight into an ABM initiative, for example. So, so just picking up and sort of backing up around that. Um, top level, I think website visitor insight can help you strategically, especially in the early stages or as a smaller organization where you need to identify your accounts, uh, the accounts that you want to go after based on who is likely to have an appetite for your for your product, where you need to see return on investment. Um, and potentially, if there isn't the option or the scope to, to do in-depth uh, research or you don't have the alignment with sales, for example, to select your accounts that way, Website Visitor Insight can help you. But it can also help you identify the messaging that you should be using based on the engagement that, you, that you've seen on your website. And tactically, throughout the execution of your account-based marketing initiative, the insight that you get can help you drive that engagement. So um, Gartner has started talking a lot about what they call buyer enablement. And I don't know if that's something people are people are aware of, but I think it's it's certainly a concept that I think is one to watch. And I think it's really, really fascinating to read about it. Um, it is sales enablement, but it's flipped and it's putting the focus where it should be, which is on the buyer. And it's essentially about helping the buyer complete the buying jobs that they have by reaching out and enabling them to do so with the right information at the right time through the right channels. And again, that as a principle is something that um, website visitor tracking can help you with. And at the core of it, it's exactly what account-based marketing is, which is serving up that right content at the right time for, for the individuals who need it. Um, um, ultimately, and sort of just to wrap up at the end of it, I would say often when you've got account-based marketing, you've got a multitude of different channels that you're pulling into, into one place. And what that means is a multitude of sources that you can also uh, report from, get insight from, and, and ultimately need to analyze. And the, the easier it is for you to pull that into a single source view, the quicker you can report upwards to, to organizational stakeholders in terms of the success of your campaign, and the quicker you can pivot on your tactics if things aren't working. So again, another way to sort of unify that could be through use of website visitor tracking, where you've got that dashboard and a platform that puts it into one place and gives you a real-time view of something that you can act on quickly. Um, as well as, like I said, share upwards and, and sidewards in your organization. Really great points. Thanks, Naja. Um, so let's just do some quick fire uh, top tech tool tips then. Let's go to Naja first. Well, I mean, I, I would say that's that's actually Josh's bag. So if we're going to be really quick fire, I'm going to make one okay. point and then I'll hand over to him because that that is his expertise. But I would say I love the idea of combining um, an established tech with some new innovative tech. And the reason for that is when you do, when you run an account-based marketing program, what you want is you want something that gives you the, the, the kind of the peace of mind that you've got business continuity and stability and established tech will do that. Um, when it comes to new technology, that's often where you can create that um, compelling, creative, innovative cut through. There's so many new uh, solutions out there that either gives you a new channel or new me uh, mechanism to reach people. And although they might not have been around for as long, it can help give you that competitive edge. So when it comes to the, to the tech stack and the scale, I would say combine established trustworthy tech with some sort of new innovative uh, solution that can give you a, a compelling edge. 
Correct. Yeah, it's a good, great, great tip. Uh, for me, again, just to be quick, I think one of the things that I notice with clients is that they don't understand or, or don't maybe sometimes aren't aware of the great technology they already have. And that's not me saying don't go out and procure anything. But if you go to a website called builtwith.com and drop in your URL, you know, your company's URL, you'll see there's a whole stack of things that are plugged into your website right now. Um, and often our clients don't know that they've got those tools, so we can find them and use them. That's a great place to start. Um, but then tools to scale, I think what you'd look at is what gaps are there? You know, how do we leverage our existing data and what tools can help us launch content uh, at, at scale? And there's a, a host of that. Um, I probably shouldn't list all of them, you know, for, <laughs> you know, to stay impartial. But um, yeah, there's a lot out there. It's, it's well documented. Um, so last question. How do you measure the success of account-based marketing through your digital channels? If we go to Josh first on that one as well, please. Yeah, so we're really proud of our measurement framework at McDonald Butler, and it's something that's led to a number of uh, recent awards. But the reputation relationship revenue model is one that I, I'm sure many of the people on, on the um, session will have uh, heard of. And... What we, what we tend to do is make sure that we map uh, and set KPIs across all three of those areas. Uh, and the reason for that is very much to manage expectations uh, across different uh, areas of ABM from reputation, awareness creation, or perception shifting through to developing new connections on social, um, within your CRM system, your automation systems, and then always checking on revenue. So we have a model called Road to ROI, and we're always checking back on a return on marketing investment of 20 to 1 for most campaigns. But with ABM, we push that to 30 to 1. Um, and it's because with ABM, you can achieve greater deal sizes typically than than average or that you're used to. Create clear KPIs. Um, across both sales and marketing and always track where you are on that journey. You know, even in month one, there are early signals that you're on track to hit those KPIs over the course of the year. Um, present it in a dashboard, whether it's a Power BI or something free like Data Studio. Um, and, and yeah, always think reputation, relationship and revenue KPIs. Great, some really good tips there. Um, so uh, before we go to our absolutely final top tips uh, about ABM from Nigel and Josh, a couple of last pieces from me. Uh, so the first one is uh, we're offering a 14-day trial of Lead Forensics. Uh, it's free. During the trial, you get full access to your previously anonymous website visitors, uh, which, can, which has got a quick poll going up. So if you'd like to answer the poll, that would be, that'd be really good. Um, here, here it is. So... Um, if you're not identifying your anonymous website visitors, you're potentially leaving quite a lot of business on the table for a, a lot of the reasons that we've spoken about today. Um, just going to keep the poll up for a little bit longer. Um, so those are the options. Yes, not sure, no thanks. So those are the options. Uh, just leave it up for a second longer. Okay, thanks everyone for participating in that. Um, and we're also going to put a quick poll up um, uh, to find out if our audience would like to hear about our upcoming webinars. So there we go. Opportunity, yes, sign me up. No thanks, I'm already an expert. 
If you are an expert, please by all means get in touch. We're always looking out for um, expert speakers to, to come on. Um, so um, next up, if anyone would like to connect on LinkedIn, um, we have some QR codes uh, coming up on the screen now. Um, most phones now, you can just take a picture of the code and it will take you to the link. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast on uh, catch up, you might have to do this the old fashioned way, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, let's go over the final final tips then. Um, so if we could go over to um, Naja, if our audience members can take one thing from this webinar, that's the really key thing, what would it be? I I think the sort of the, the key thing, and I'm gonna just um, lead with a with a stat again here because I I love getting some good stats, but by 2025, 80% of all B2B interactions between suppliers and buyers will occur in digital channels. So whether or not it's account-based marketing, whether or not it's account-based selling, or whether or not it's 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 regular um, marketing, I think technology and digital is an absolute absolute must it's not a matter of if it's going to happen it's a matter of when and what you do so i would say if you haven't already take a look at what you've got to josh's point um you know evaluate what you have evaluate what you want and what you would like to see and i guarantee you there's a solution out there for you it's just about identifying your need um and there'll be plenty of people who can help you solve that i'm sure great and josh Final top tip. Uh, it, uh, a top tip. Um, so I think for me, it might be a little biased because obviously I'm focused on data, but ultimately right now, I think access to an, an understanding of your data is the differentiator for businesses of all levels. And we're seeing that right now. And uh, the bias comes in because if our creative department were on here, they'd say their creative was the differentiator and it might well be. Um, but understanding what your uh, accounts are doing, what they're interested in and their relationship with you and, and just getting access to that. It might be in your CRM, your automation system, might be other tools that you can access to find that information out, but it will fuel everything. Um, and that's my ultimate tip. Thank you very much. Um, and to our experts, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, great points, really informative. To our audience, any further questions, uh, please do let us know. Um, you can reach us on LinkedIn. Um, the webinar, just to let you know, the webinar will be available on demand on our website, leadforensics.com. Um, thanks, everyone. Have a, have a great afternoon.